Well, a lot of you know tomorrow, this will be the last Sabbath I'll be with you for a while. Tomorrow I'll be headed down to my other church in Venice, Florida. And uh, and I like it down there. But this is a special church. You know, a lot of a lot have people have found Jesus Christ as their personal Savior right in this very church, and I'm one of those. And so it's always special. I think of you guys and, and uh, pray for the church even when I'm down there in the sunshine. Um, well, it's the second Sabbath of the year already. And uh, some of you probably had a pretty good week last week. Um, some of you might not have. That's the thing, it's it's only the start. 2014 is still a mystery. You don't know what's going to happen. God knows, but we don't know. For some of you, it could be the very best year you've ever had. And for some of you, maybe not. But in every situation you find yourself this year, you can know this, that God loves you. When you're sad, he's sad with you. When you're hurting, he hurts right alongside you. When you're discouraged, he tries to encourage you. And you are important to God. That's why he sent his son to die for you as proof. And so don't forget that this coming year. If you don't give up on God, he will never give up on you. Ever. Do you think there's been times uh, in your life that you've disappointed God? Yeah, I would say yes in capital letters. I know there's lots of times that I uh, disappoint God. Do you ever feel like you don't know if you're going to make it? Ever doubt that God is the one that's leading you? Ever feel kind of on your own? I think we could all say at one time or another, we've all felt that way, and maybe even today someone has questions. But that's not God telling you those things. That's the devil. Him and his angels are always trying to discourage you to get you to give up and quit. Um, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Let's, let's begin over there. Hebrews chapter 13 and... Uh, Let's look at verses 5 and 6. I'll give you a couple minutes to get there. Today we're going to talk about mistakes, troubles, and triumphs. So if you're there, Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not feel fear. What can man do to me? You know, that's a text that we often times have to think about. Because there's times in our life where we feel forsaken. We wonder if God is even there. And you know what? It's, you're not the only people to ever feel that way. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, some of the stories of Bible characters that you maybe never heard before. These are the ones that that don't make most sermons, uh, but I think they're important. Do you know some of the Bible leaders, even patriarchs, had these same kind of questions as you have had today? So turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, 
By the way, I'm, I'm in Genesis, and you might wonder. Um, I finished reading the Bible again, and so guess where I am? I'm starting back through Genesis. And uh, I, as I was reading this, I read a chapter every day. It's just exciting to me uh, because I always seem to find different things. And uh, this, this time through is no different at all. I found some really interesting uh, things. So if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 12, let's look at verse 1. <clears throat> now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. In in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How would you like it if one day as you're sitting on your couch looking out the window, bang, God says that to you? Wouldn't that be fantastic? I mean, really, this is how it happened. I don't know if he's sitting on the couch, but I know that God told him, do this little thing, just leave, and then I will bless the whole earth. In verse 7, look at verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him, and he moved from there to the mountains of Bethel. So in verse 7, God's saying he'll give um, his descendants this land. Now I want you to, in my Bible, I have to turn the page. That's almost prophetic because things seem to change. Let's look at verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, he said to Sarai, or Sarah, later to be known, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Well, it'd be nice for every woman to hear that from her husband more than once. But he says this to her. And then he says, um, Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. And they'll kill me, but they will let you live. So please say that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, that I may live because of you. I thought of a couple of things as I read this. The first thing I thought of was, why was Abraham fearful? God had told him he'd give the land to his descendants. How many kids did he have at that time? None. So obviously God has promised him he's going to live beyond this because he's going to have descendants. Why did Abraham fear? Or Abram as he's called then. Why did he fear? Because he forgot what God told him. <laughs> he forgot. Um, he was afraid he'd be killed. You know, I want you to add a New Year's resolution a, a week late. <laughs> and that's this one. Let your faith be bigger than your fear. Um, somebody said, that's, let your faith be bigger than your fear. And whenever... You are fearful if you let your faith and your trust in God be bigger than that. It'll help you overcome. So he forgot what God promised him. You know what? I think that sometimes when we have fear, it's because we have forgotten what God told us also. It seems to work that way. 
Do you think God was disappointed with Abraham? Well, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure he was disappointed with Abraham. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you the rest of the story, that this wasn't the only time Abraham did this. He did it again. But God forgave him. He was upset with him, but he forgave him. Will Abraham be in heaven? Absolutely. We know that for a fact. Why? Because he didn't give up God, and God didn't give up on him either. That was just one chapter in his life. And as we all know, there are many more chapters for us, as they were for him, to be written. Some triumphs, some failures, but for him they're all forgiven because his faith ended up being bigger than his fear. He trusted God to keep his promise. And Jesus came to die for Abraham's sins, just like he did for ours. Now let's talk about Abraham's son, the son of promise. Do you remember what his name was? I, I, Isaac, Isaac, the son of promise, Isaac. Now, what do we know about Isaac? Well, we know this. We know that when Abraham was asked to take Isaac, his son, up on the mountain to sacrifice him, that Abraham was not a spring chicken anymore. He was probably a little bit on the older side. And, you know, um, Isaac was probably a lot stronger than Abraham. So if Isaac didn't want to go to be the sacrifice, there was no way Abraham could run him down and tie him up. So we know that Isaac actually had to consent to this as well. And that tells you a lot about Isaac's character also, that he actually was willing to be the sacrifice to do what God wanted. Well, Isaac got married too. And again, there was a famine in the land. And guess where he wanted to go? To Egypt. It, it, well, let's look at that. It's in Genesis chapter 26, just a few over. It seemed like whenever there was a famine in the land, Egypt was the place to go. <laughs> uh, let's see, Genesis 26. And we'll start in verse 1. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. It's another one. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land. I will be with you and bless you for you and your descendants. I will give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now, this is happening long before the law was given at Mount Sinai. But we know from this text and not others that there were commandments at that time, there were statutes. God had given his people rules to follow. Otherwise, when Cain killed Abel, it wouldn't have been wrong because if there's no law that says thou shalt not kill, then there's no sin in doing because there wasn't a law forbidding it. So this is one of the texts we we learn. It helps us 
at least to understand that God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, let me see. We, look at verse 6. So Isaac dwelt in Kerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister. <laughs> For he was afraid to say, she is my wife, because he thought, lest the men of this place kill me. For Rebecca, because she is beautiful to behold. There's got to be a moral in this story someplace, but I don't know what it is, other than, um, other than, well, it's nice to have a pretty wife, but don't be afraid somebody's going to kill you if you have one. Especially if God told you that he'll take care of things for you. I, I wonder if he'd heard that story. Some He must have, because it was a pretty convenient excuse to just pop up again. Dad did it twice, he did it now too. It's interesting. Um, the Lord went on to establish his everlasting covenant with Isaac. We don't hear much about Isaac after this, really. But God's blessing was upon him, so I believe he also asked for and received God's forgiveness. Now, these were leaders, early leaders. And the thing to remember about this is not the mistakes that even leaders make sometimes, but the fact that God's willingness to forgive even leaders who make mistakes. He loves every one of us, and we all have things to ask his forgiveness of. So I say this, if God's willing to forgive even leaders who fall astray, maybe we should be the same way. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, You know, forgiveness has everything to do with God's willingness to forgive. He loves his children. And things are no different today than they were then. People make mistakes. But as long as you don't let the devil talk you out of going back to God and asking forgiveness, he keeps forgiving. Now, this is not what they call cheap grace. You know, you've heard of cheap grace where I'll just sin today because God will forgive me. It'll all go over and over and over. Um, Apostle Paul, who wrote some things that are hard to understand and people sometimes twist, according to Peter, to their own destruction, said in Romans 3.31, he said that we don't make void the law because of grace, yea, we establish it. God has rules he wants us to follow and every one of us would be better off if we follow those rules. But when we mess up, God is always willing to forgive. Always. And so that's the part we shouldn't forget about. I want to tell you a little story I heard. It's about, it's about a little boy named Jimmy. And, uh, he loved to read. So Jimmy was reading books, all the time books, and a favorite kind of book he liked to read was westerns. Jimmy liked westerns. Now, some of you younger people won't know this, but in westerns, in the past, when you saw them on TV, the good guys always wore what color hats? White. And the bad guys always wore what color hats? Black. Black as sin and white. But anyway, westerns. We don't read many westerns anymore. They, they'd seem to have fallen out of favor. But Jimmy liked his westerns. So in this series of books, there was a, a, a hero, a guy that wore a white hat named Roy. And in this series, every time that the bad guys would start doing bad things in town, Roy would come and he'd run him right out of town on a rail, as they used to say, never to be seen of again. Roy was the hero in every single book. 
And Jimmy loved it. Chapter after chapter, he'd beat this guy, that bad guy. But the last book that Jimmy read in this series was a little different. Because in this book, a new bad guy came to town and he was tough. And he kicked Roy out of town. Jimmy read chapter after chapter. After about four episodes, he just couldn't stand it anymore because his his good guy, Roy, was getting beat up by the bad guy. And so he flipped over to the end of the book and he read the end of the book. Ha ha, in the end of the book, the good guy kicks the bad guy out of town forever and that's the way the series ended. So one day, his father was going up and Jimmy was reading in his, in his room and his father heard Jimmy say, Ha, if you only knew what I knew. And he wondered, who's, who's Jimmy talking to? There's nobody in there. So his father went in and said, Jimmy, what, what, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? Jimmy said, well, Dad. And he told his dad the story about these books. And he said, you know, I read this book and I know in the end of the book, Roy wins. And he said, so now when I come up across a place like this where the bad guy is kicking Roy around, I say, oh, if you only knew what I knew. If you only knew what I knew. Do you know what? That's a cute little story. But it's a lot like us, isn't it? In the book of Revelation, we know how the story ends too. God wins. The devil's destroyed. He's off your back forever. And it would help us, I think, from time to time to remember the end of the book and forget the chapter where we're having troubles. Speaking of troubles, each time you have troubles, I'd like you to think of Joseph. Now just think, picture this. Joseph, he, I, I don't know if he had an ego problem, but I know he felt good about himself because he was the, his father loved him. He was his pride and joy. God gave him dreams where he had his parents and his brothers bowing down to him. Joseph felt pretty good about himself. In fact, he had that coat of many colors on right on the day that they threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery. Now, if that was you, how would you feel? Think about that for a minute. Your whole world completely changed. You were at the top of the heap. You were looked up to by most people except brothers who thought you were being spoiled. But your father thought everything about you and then all of a sudden you're sold into slavery. You know, I I read in Ellen's White books, books about this. I believe it might have been Patriarchs and Prophets. She said that Even though he was sold into slavery, Joseph never grumbled. But he did his jobs cheerfully. And I think, way to be Joseph. I wish I was like that sometimes, you know, because I find myself being like the children of Israel in the wilderness from time to time. (laughs) Where's my water? Where's my meat? Where's my food? How come you brought me out here to die? I think that's, it seems like we think about that sometimes, don't we? But not Joseph. And so because he didn't grumble, and did his best. Guess what? At Potiphar's house, he worked cheerfully. Potiphar, the fellow that bought him, 
elevated him right up to second position. He was like the head over all of Potiphar was a wealthy man. Everything he had, Potiphar had given into the hands of Joseph. And Joseph thinking, yep, yeah, God, this is great. Thank you. Like, you know, it's not as good as it was once, but it's really good. And then Potiphar's wife pulls another stunt and accuses Joseph of something he would never do. And because he was true to God and wouldn't submit to Potiphar's wife, he gets thrown into prison and rejected all over again. How would you feel then? I know how I would feel it. It wouldn't be good. I, I guess you know the thing about us, we're never tempted beyond what we're able to bear. So if we're in a situation like that, God will give us the grace to handle it if we allow him to. But, so he's down there in prison. And he is, uh, again, doing his job cheerfully. So the person that's head of the prison elevates him up. Now he's second in command of the prison. See, I, I think a cheerful heart and a cheerful person will probably usually get elevated. So maybe if we're not getting elevated, part of it could be we're not too cheerful. <laughs> but I don't know for sure. But anyways, that, that could be it. So there he is. Now he's, now he's the second in prison. And he's thinking, yes, God, I, I thank you. And then, and then something happens. These two Egyptians who work for Pharaoh get thrown into prison with him. You know the story. And so he tells them their dreams, explains them when they have their dreams. And they promise them, when we get out, we'll tell the Pharaoh about you. And it'll all be good. And I can think Joseph is just thinking, oh, thank you, Lord, finally, finally. Week one, nothing. Week two, nothing. Month three, nothing. Year one, nothing. Year two, nothing. All day after day after day, he's completely forgotten until Pharaoh has a dream. And then, and only then, was he remembered. You know, I think of Joseph and think how how puny my problems really are in comparison to his sometimes, you know. We get so picky and so petty and so down on God for just the smallest little things when Joseph wasn't angry with God at all, his faith was bigger than his fear. And you know, he went on to save Egypt and his family. Now, God put these stories and others that we study today in the Bible for me, but for you. He could have just omitted the parts where the patriarchs like Abraham and Isaac who sinned, he could have just omitted that part altogether. It wouldn't have to be in there. Can you imagine how you would feel as a sinner, and me as a sinner, if God never told us stories about people that were loved and cared for who also sinned, that he forgave and actually spread his message and built all of his truth upon? If those stories weren't in there, we wouldn't have any hope. And I'm going to tell you this. If you don't read those stories, you won't gain any hope. He put them in there for you to help you through your bad times. But if we don't read them, we won't gain that hope. I believe that sometimes your life 
doesn't flow smoothly, chapter by chapter, just like mine has not. But I know that when stories like this are here, it helps me make it through. It helps me understand God continues to love us even when we mess up. Aren't you glad you know that part? Because we do mess up. We do mess up, but God loves us. And he's always willing to forgive if we're willing to ask. And that's what the devil does. He gets on your case and makes you feel like you are so bad. You are so bad. Today we're in a modern day famine. I don't know if you know that, but we are in a, and it's a different kind. Economically, we're, we're in some tough times. Running to Egypt's not going to help you. It's worse over there than it is here now. But times are tough and people are suffering. Just like Joseph, God is with you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. But you know, it's not only those that have tough times that can be tempted to leave God. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, who had everything in the world. And what did he think? Oh, this is all me, baby. I am the man. People that are that have all that they need are sometimes tempted to feel the same way. It's all me. And they forget to tend to forget God just like those who have bad troubles. Both places have their own temptations. We're going through another famine right now, and it's a famine of the Word of God. People are not reading their Bibles. They're not they're not getting those help you through your problem stories like they should. And because they're not getting those stories, the devil is able to discourage people and get them to quit. Give up on the whole thing. I, I know people that say, might as, well, might as well have fun on the way I'm going to hell anyways. If he can get you to believe that attitude, he wins, even though God is willing to forgive you for anything, anytime. Also, our history in the United States, they're rewriting it day by day to take out the faith of our fathers, to take out how how the pilgrims came here for religious freedom, to take out the reason why we have the Ten Commandments in the Supreme Court, to take out the reason why we have in God we trust on our money. If because your kids are not getting taught those things in school now, you don't share those stories with them. How will they know? They have to know because they're not being taught anyplace else. Well, like I said, the devil wants you to believe you're too bad. You've got too many faults. You can't help yourself. And you know, that's the one thing he's right about. (laughs) You are too bad. I am too bad. We can't help ourselves, and we do have faults. But on your own, we can't do it. But greater is he that is in us than he that is of the world. If you've made Jesus your personal Savior, he is good enough. He is perfect enough. He is faultless. He can do it, and he did it for you. In the end of the book, God wins. And all who love and accept his faultless life to cover their sins will win with him. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus, who is God, has always been the one who helped mankind. He was at the burning bush helping Moses. 
He was with Abraham, Isaac. He is with Joseph. And today, he is with you too. The devil is the one that's the big liar who tried to get Abraham to give up and quit, tried to get Isaac to give up and quit, tried to get Joseph to give up and quit, tried to get Job to give up and quit. But you know what? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God except you. If the devil can convince you that God can't save you, then you are the one that separates yourself from God. So be strong in the Lord, and you will be saved if you keep trusting in him. Remember, we read the end of the book. We know what happens. Let your faith be stronger than your fear. Lord, we thank you for all the all the stories you put in the Bible, the stories about people who failed initially, the stories of those people, those same people that you forgave and made great leaders. And Lord, as this new year is just starting, we've got to fresh start ourselves. We pray that you'll help us to, to put you first, to read your word, to build on that firm foundation of the Bible, to share with our children, to share with others as they're interested. But most of all, Lord, help us when we do make mistakes this year, as we will, to not be tempted of the devil to give up and quit because we know you love us. Help us to always come to you and receive that forgiveness so someday we can all be together in your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.